What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, happy Thursday. Uh, we have on today's show talk about some good lacrosse that has happened and also some that is to come this weekend. As usual, we'll start with the games that have already happened and, uh, you know, Tuesday show. <clears throat> I went over Tuesday's games. Uh, so today we'll go over the three games that went down on Wednesday. Uh, the marquee one among them, Vermont taking down Penn State 16-10 to on the road in State College. First one of the season for the Vermont Catamounts. Obviously losing against Duke and then against Utah last weekend, getting the first win of the season against Penn State, who is who is now on a two-game losing streak, losing to Villanova over the weekend, and then to Vermont here on Wednesday. The Catamounts really, <clears throat> even when it didn't, even when Penn State was able to get some momentum in this game. Uh, this was a game that Vermont controlled pretty much from the get-go, uh, much in part to Tommy Burke, 21 for 30 at the dot, 70% day for him. Uh, he played fantastic, really gave Penn State a, a challenge. there at the dot, a challenge they couldn't overcome. Um, you know, this was a 9-5 game at the half. Um Despite you know, Penn State had some short-lived offensive spurts there in the first half of play, notably in late in the first and in the second uh, quarter, where and look, I thought Penn State in that second period, I thought they showed a lot of fight. Um, they showed, especially defensively, a lot of fight there. Alirik Fayok with twelve saves in that, uh, in seven saves, I uh, believe. <clears throat> yeah, seven saves in that second quarter. Twelve of his 15 saves on the day came in the first half. Um, Penn State, so this Penn State defense really did show some things early on in this game. Um, that wasn't so much the case in the second half as Beaumont was able to. So, so, so you had Penn State finally really got their offense going. You had a four-goal run um, from the 11-11 mark to the 4-29 mark in the third. That cuts things to two. It makes it an 11-9 Vermont lead, uh, but you have Brock Haley and Jonathan McConvey get two goals. Um, that included a man-up goal from McConvey there, assisted by Brock Haley. Uh, so Haley's in on two of those goals to end the third, and really, <clears throat> that's all she wrote. Uh, Vermont puts up three more uh, to end the game. 3-1 run there in the fourth. 5-1 run to end things. And, um, yeah, really put, puts things away. And, you know, this is one where – and I've watched two – I've watched two Vermont – actually, three Vermont games now and two Penn State games. And I said on Tuesday night, on Tuesday show, that I thought Vermont was a much better team coming into this game. And this was very much a similar situation to the Penn State-Villanova game, 
where you had a Penn State team that's very young, very inexperienced, obviously not all over the field, but at certain areas, they are young and inexperienced. <clears throat> and, and that really does show. Um, you had a number of just silly mistakes in this game. Um, and, you know, Penn State, I mentioned, like, Vermont really controlled the pace of this game, even when Penn State was rolling um, on some of their offensive runs. Suddenly that run, then the third, I think, is the only time that I would say uh, the momentum was out of Vermont's hands because they were able to put some things together in a row. Um, outside of that, this was really a Vermont game start to finish um, in, in terms of who had the momentum. Penn's, <clears throat> Penn State did get um, a couple cost turnovers there, especially in the second half. I thought, you know, Brian Townsend, he had a, you know, picked a pass out of the sky, took it down. Um, one man clear, um, but that didn't didn't contribute to anything. Uh, Grant Haas, another D mid, I thought played well for uh, this Penn State squad. Uh, Brett Funk did a solid job defensively at, at close, and I mentioned Aliyah Fayak. I thought he played fairly well, um, but just overall, you know, th they would get these stops. Take it down the field. And you had, I mean, the one play, I think this is just indicative. This might be indicative of who Penn State is at this moment. Kyle Aldridge is, I think this is in the first, yeah, this is in the first quarter. So I should mention uh, Penn State, they were outshot 67 to 31. That's, that, that's terrible. They didn't have double-digit shots in any period of play. And in the first half, or the first uh, period, I should say, it was 18 to 7. And Penn State went the first, like, I want to say nine minutes of the game without even having a shot. The first five minutes of the game without even having an actual possession. Um, you're just not going to win that way. Um, so, you know, certainly I, I think for this game, we, we know who Vermont is. <clears throat> when they're moving the ball around, when they're doing what they can do. And Vermont's so dangerous because they can attack offensively at so many different positions on the field. They have such a diverse skill set on that offense that really if one thing's not working, they can go to another, and it's probably going to work. If that's not working, oh, go to plan B, go to plan C. They got a plan D. Most teams, you know, you don't always have that. Vermont seems to have that. Uh, Liam Gamoges, five goals on the day for them. Brock Haley had himself a good day. Uh, two goals, three assists. Ryan Cornell, 10 saves. Uh, Dan Rayum had four goals for Penn State in this one. Um, and then, as I mentioned, Tommy Burke with Vermont, 70% on the day. Really uh, kind of the standout performer of that game there in State College as Vermont, as I said, controls the pace the entire way. They take the 16-10 to 10 win over Penn State. Vermont, they will now go to – pull their schedule here. They will now go to – they'll be at Brown next weekend 
and uh, Penn State. Their next game, I believe they have a midweek game, don't they? Let's see. Okay, they're at St. Joseph's on Saturday, and then they're at Yale um, next week uh, on next Saturday. So uh, at St. Joseph's, Yale, yeah, St. Joseph's, Yale, Penn, Cornell. So the schedule isn't getting any easier. Uh, that Penn game is in Charlotte at the Crown Lacrosse Classic, so neutral site there. Um, schedule's not getting any easier for Penn State, um, and you know, if they're going to get some more wins, they got to figure out how to address some of these issues. Um, you, know, you can't have Kyle Aldridge dodging down the field and the ball just falls out of his stick. You can't have a defenseman on a coil, you know, turn and run up the field before he's even secured the pass. Um, you know, it's like in football when the receiver, you know, is, is thinking of the touchdown before he even, you know, reels on the ball. Um, it, it, it's those kinds of mistakes, dodging into into just blatant double teams. Um, it, it, it's those kinds of things that they need to address, defending the crease much better. Uh, so Penn State has a lot to work on. I think Vermont in this game, uh, we saw exactly what they can be when they're playing at peak capacity. Um and, you know, well, I mean, we saw that against Duke, and obviously Duke took it in the second half. Uh, we saw a, a bit of a stumbling of Vermont against Utah, and Utah took advantage. But, you know, uh, Vermont, they capitalized on some opportunities late and almost took that one. So uh, we'll see what happens with Vermont as they go forward. Well, should be a decent one against Brown uh, next week, I would have to think. Moving on to the next game, uh, this was actually the first game of the day. You had Quinnipiac and LIU. Uh, this was an 11 a.m. game on a Wednesday. Don't ask me why. Um, doesn't make any sense. LIU came out on top 12 to 7. This was actually a pretty even game um, throughout. Uh, however, uh, you had a 7-1 run there uh, to end the game for LIU. Um, and look, I mean, you know, Quinnipiac, they were able to own the possession advantage with Dimitri George, um, who went 14 for 23 at the dot. LIU goes 9 of 23 overall at the dot. Um, they were outshot 34 to 44. Um, and, and like I mentioned, they didn't have the possession advantage for most of the game, uh, but they came out on top. And they came out on top because of Will Mark um, and, and what he did in cage with uh, 19, excuse me, 19 saves. And then Richie LaCalandra, three goals, four assists. That is a seven-point outing for him. And he came into this game uh, with just three assists through the first two games. So uh, Richie LaCalandra, you know, really uh, finding his own here this season, the reigning NEC Offensive Player of the Year after a rough start. Gets things going here against Quinnipiac. Uh, this Quinnipiac defense just simply was not that good. I didn't expect them to be that good, but, uh, you know, Demuccio had a solid outing early on in cage, but this Quinnipiac defense just, it, it, it's not that good. They allowed a lot of shots you probably shouldn't have allowed. Um, they're uh, you know, this Quinnipiac offense, Will Abbott, uh, who, by the way, is in the transfer portal 
as a grad transfer. Uh, he put up uh, four points. Uh, yeah, four points in this one. Two goals to assist. Um, he has seven on the on the year so far. Abbott does uh, there, so he led the way there with Quinnipiac. But really, this was a game pretty outside of. Like, you look at the stat sheet and you see some of the disadvantages in LIU, but the fact that Mark was able to neutralize that Quinnipiac offense as best as he could and the fact of which he looked Calandra doing his thing, um, that took away from the disparity at the dot. And, and LIU, they, their offense was pretty quick, especially in the second half. You were getting goals, uh, you know, 10-second possessions, things like that. So... Uh, the Sharks win that one. Last midweek game to talk about here. Uh, this is one was supposed to be streamed. The stream didn't work, so it was not streamed. Um, but Manhattan gets a 14-10 to victory over VMI. Uh, the first win of the season for Manhattan. Uh, they went on a late-game run, pushed them ahead. Um you know, you had a – really, this was a back-and-forth game of runs. When you look at the box score, this was a game of runs. Um, it was 10-10 to with 6.56 remaining in the frame. Manhattan goes off four of their own, uh, 5.08 to 2-29 to, to second mark in regulation to secure that victory. Um, you know, that, that, that game-winning run was the second-largest run of the game for the Jaspers, also had a five-goal run uh, from late in the second through early in the third uh, to get ahead 10-7 to after trailing 7-5 to with three minutes left in the first half. It was a 7-7 to game at the half. So this one really teams going back and forth uh, the entire way. Kyle Walker, five points off four goals and one assist. You had a similar uh, stat line with uh, the same stat line with Scout Ripley, Ripley who led VMI. Hartley Jordan also had uh, two goals and two assists for VMI. Uh, Diego Markey going 62% at the dot for the Cadets in this one. Brendan Krebs for Manhattan, seven saves. Jack Lasselli with 14 saves, six in the first period of play for VMI. And that one, as the Jaspers beat the Cadets 14-10. to Recap again. Vermont beats Penn State 16-10. to LIU beats Quinnipiac 12-7. And Manhattan beats VMI 14-10. to that was your Wednesday night action in college lacrosse. Now let's shift our focus towards the weekend where I uh, already previewed a couple games on Tuesday. Ohio State and North Carolina, most notably. We touched on Syracuse and Maryland, and I, you know, I don't want to touch too much more on that because I really do think uh, we didn't learn a ton from that Syracuse uh, shellacking of Holy Cross. Uh, but as I mentioned, a prove-it game there for Syracuse and you know, Maryland. I think they're probably going to continue to roll on in that one, as I said. 
other couple games to go over include a couple welcome back Ivy League games, Yale and Villanova, Penn and Penn and Georgetown. We're also gonna hit on Duke Denver and on Army and Rutgers.
school. So we'll see, you know, what they go. Um, they're at the dot, but obviously that's probably the one spot where everyone's looking at. And I, I think, and you look at this group they have, it is a pretty solid, um, is a pretty solid group there for the Yale team at the face-off dot. And I'd say probably uh, a bit better than what we see at Villanova. Um, when you look at, on the Villanova side, uh, this is a team that's coming off that one goal win. Um, I, we know what Patrick Daly can do. We know what those short sticks can do. They played very well. Chet Camizio included played very well on Saturday. I want to see, you know, Will Vitton had himself a strong game, but I want to see more from this close defense. We saw against Penn State, letting some inside opportunities there. I think this Yale offense um, is going to be able to test that Villanova defense. So that's kind of a, the matchup, if you will, that I'm looking forward to outside of just seeing what are they going to do at the faceoff dot without T.D. Irwin, uh, which I think is in the back of everybody's mind coming into this one. The other high-profile game of the week, uh, this is another one where I'm intrigued, defense, offense, chess match, um, is Penn and Georgetown. So the Hoyers coming off that 16-8 to win over Johns Hopkins, in which they well held the Blue Jays to just three goals in the final three periods of play. Um, I believe it was like three of 13 in shots as well, so didn't get a lot of shots off either. Uh, the Blue Jays didn't uh, in the latter stages of that game. And this is a Penn team that returns Patrick Birkenshaw and B.J. Farrar at LSM to highlight that defense. Sam Hanley, Dylan Gergal are going to be leading the way at attack. Um, and, and that really is, you know, what, what I'm looking at in this one. Um, I think the face-off dot will be interesting as well here. You lose Kyle Gallagher. Um, obviously, you do lose a Kyle Thornton, but I think um, this defense with Birkenshaw and Favaro there still going to be pretty decent. Uh, we saw Penn play a game last year against the D3 team. Uh, Cabrini blew him out. Uh, so not too, too much you can take from that. But this is still a very talented Quaker team. Uh, they're a top 15 caliber team for sure. Um, so we'll see if they play like it against Georgetown. Now, in terms of matchups here, Will Bowen, Gibson Smith, it's a two-headed monster at pole. Oh, McElroy and Cage. Um, can they hold this Penn offense? like they did the Johns Hopkins offense. I'm not going to say which one is better, which one I think is better, Hopkins or Penn, in terms of offense, because, look, we haven't seen Penn yet. I can make that assumption after we see two, three games of Penn, and we'll see how Hopkins does in their next game here. But the Hopkins offense, I think it, it's pretty clear. They, you know, they're good. Uh, but when you put them up against a defense like Georgetown, which I don't think they'll see, I think the closest thing they'll see to that again this season is Maryland. Um, but you put them up against a team like a defense like that, 
they're going to struggle. I think anyone would struggle against that, uh, to be quite frank. So how is this Hoyas defense going to play this Penn offense, and particularly that attack unit, and particularly Sam Hanley, who should be the leader of that attack unit? And look, can they hold them? Can they hold them like they did Hopkins a week ago in their opener? That is the question for the Hoyas coming into this one. Uh, That one certainly will be an interesting one as well. The other Ivy League games, and I'm not going to get too much into these, but uh, we do have Harvard and NJIT, Princeton and Monmouth, Dartmouth and Merrimack, which actually should be a decent one. Uh, Dartmouth beat Merrimack two years ago in 2020. Uh, Still some similar faces there. Uh, George Prince, Matt Paul leading the way offensively. Uh, Merrimack obviously coming off a loss against Boston U. I think that one will be a pretty good one. And then Cornell and U Albany. And then Brown and Quinnipiac there. So um, Cornell, U Albany, be interesting to see there. CJ Coast with the Big Red making his debut after not being able to play last season as a freshman. Albany, um, you know, they return a pretty solid defense there with Elijah Gash. Uh, you get a guy like Jack Pucci, uh, who's coming in on offense uh, and, and should be a solid transfer addition for them. Brown and Quinnipiac, we've seen Quinnipiac play um, twice now. I, you know, Brown, you get some guys back, but, you know, notably Phil Goss is gone, so what do they do in cage is the big question for me there um, coming into this one. Quinnipiac, I, you know, look, I, I don't think that they're going to give Brown much of a challenge, but we'll see how things go. I think depending on who Brown goes with um, at the faceoff dot, which they did have a solid faceoff unit um, in 2020, and the name of their primary face-off man is escaping me at the moment, but I, I remember they were very good not only face-offing, not, not just a good face-off guy, but a good face-off unit in terms of the poles and the short sticks they put on the wings. Um, and Quinnipiac has a guy like Dimitri George. We saw today against LIU, uh, while George would win the clamp most of the times um, and would win the possession, the LIU wings were very good and overpowered the Quinnipiac wings in many instances. We'll see how things go there. A couple more games I want to get in, like you know, deeper into here. Uh, we will start with, let's start here. So we have Duke and Denver. Okay, let's do Duke and Denver first. So, look, Duke, I think we we talked a bit about this game on Tuesday. I didn't get deep into it. Just kind of mentioned it in passing. But uh, Duke, no, they have their one February loss after falling to Jacksonville 14-12 to last Sunday in a game where the Blue Devils offense was challenged as good as they've been all season for a full 60 minutes of play, especially – uh, considering the Jacksonville defense. Um, 
I'm, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we know, like, you know, Duke, what they look like going full speed when Brennan O'Neill's on, Nakai Montgomery's on, Dyson Williams on. Um, we know what this team can do. Um, my, you know, and, and then in terms of Utah, in terms of Denver, one goal win at Utah, and then a 13 to nine win over Air Force, um, to capture the title of the best in the West, if you will. Um, but I, I don't think those two wins, and, and from talking to people this week, the, those two wins don't have a ton of people convinced that Denver's, including myself, that Denver's a legit solid top 15 team. Now, I think they're still a top 15 team, but how good of one, I think, is the question. Um, look, in this game, I expect a good battle between the at the faceoff dot, Alex Tathakis for Denver, and then we'll see if Jake Naso's back for Duke or if they go with Jordan Gender again. I'm expecting a good battle at the dot, uh, but what I really will have my eyes on is is first line midfield of Denver, uh, Ted Sullivan, Alex Simmons, Jack Hanna, those guys, and 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 we've seen JJ Solstrop be kind of the go-to guy on attack, but we've seen this midfield for Denver really step up this season and be, uh, you know, this is a more midfield oriented offense than we've seen. Then we saw last year for sure uh, with the Pioneers. That line, Sullivan, Simmons, Hannah has produced 21 points in the first two games for the Pioneers. I'm looking at how they attack this Duke defense. Um, I don't think, I've said this before, I don't think this Duke defense is, as a whole, um, when you compare them to other ACC defenses, and I want to see Syracuse against a real team. I want to see Notre Dame play, which they do this week. But I want to see them play against more than just Detroit Mercy. But from what we've seen thus far, you know, Duke's defense I don't think is as good as some of these uh, some of the others in the ACC. I think Vermont exposed that, and I think Jacksonville also exposed that. So. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, it'll be an interesting one there. Duke and Denver. This is always a pretty decent one, uh, but I, I do think that that the matchup I'm looking at, Denver midfield versus the Duke defense and Duke's short sticks in particular, there. But I will say, Tyler Carpenter, thanks, done a fine job. Kenny Blower, I think, has done a fine job. Also, want to mention, Denver against Air Force, did get some plays in the middle of the field. Um, and we saw Duke uh, have some trouble with that against Vermont. Obviously, they ended up winning. We were able to take back control. But um, Denver did seem to get more transition opportunities, did seem to make more plays in between the boxes on Saturday against the Falcons. See if that rolls over on uh, Saturday as well. The last game I'm going to go in deep to here is Rutgers and Army. So Rutgers has only had really one challenging game this year, a 13-10 win over Marist, 
uh, as they sit at 3-0. They're coming off a 23-6 win over St. John's. Um, this Army West Point uh, game, this game against Army West Point, we'll see the Scarlet Knights face a defense uh, that I think will give their offense uh, its biggest test of the season thus far um, and probably the biggest test they'll see until they play Maryland. Um, this Army offense, I, first of all, Marcus Hudgens did not play on Saturday for Army. I think if he plays in this game, they're even going to have a bigger challenge. But even if he doesn't, Wyatt Schubert made 18 saves against UMass a week ago. Wyatt Schubert is one of the best goalies in the Patriot League, um, and it has cemented himself as a formidable goalie just nationally as well. So they're certainly going to have a challenge with him. Um, and look, Colin Coast, he had a 66 66- Percent, or he has had a 66% save percentage in three games. So we could possibly see a similar game to what we did in Rutgers and Marist, where two goalies are taken over. Um, and whichever offense can break through first is the one, or break through and stay hot is the one that takes home the victory. Um, you know, this, this Rutgers offense. Ross Scott, Mitch Bartolo, uh, been the two big-time guys for them this season. Uh, so I do want to see this Rutgers offense up against a tougher defense, uh, a tougher defense than they've seen all year. So we'll see how they go. Um, and then look, similar can be said for Army. Uh, when you look at what the Black Knights did, <clears throat> and they did a fine job on Saturday, um, and, and, and I will say, um, another point to make, uh, I'll continue with the Army offense real quick, but uh, with what the Black Knights did on Saturday against UMass, uh, Brendan Nickton had himself a very solid day there with, what do you have, eight points in the game, I believe it was. Let me pull that stat sheet up here. Yeah, eight points, five goals, three assists. Denny, uh, Kilbasa with three assists, Lee Burke, Bobby Abshire, a uh, number of guys there. Um, another point I want to make about this game before you know moving on here and then getting out of here is the face-off dot. So Rutgers has not been that good at face-off dot. It's no secret. Um, I think they've been better this year than they have been. Um, we've seen Jonathan Dugino step up. A lot of people thought Sam Steffen was going to be the guy um, that got the starting job as a grad transfer. He does not. Um, and that was especially so after the you know, not-so-good performance we saw from Jonathan Dugino last season. Uh, but he's played fairly well as their primary guy through three games, 39 and 56 overall. Didn't do so hot against LIU, but picked up the pace against Marist and against St. John's, uh, his former team, if I will. And so, you know, Jonathan Dugineau, well, just that Rutgers face-off unit in general, against Stevie Graber, who had the best, and I'll have to look at this, I'm, I'm not, don't quote me on this, but 
I believe, the best face-off performance that we've seen from Army in about a year or so. Uh, they were terrible last year. They weren't very strong in 2020 either. Uh, Stevie Graber, you know, put it all together on Saturday and really uh, was a catalyst uh, for that offense and helping them get that win over UMass last Saturday. Uh, so Rutgers Army, always a pretty good one. Expecting a good one as well there. Before we get out of here, a couple other games I want to mention. So I mentioned uh, I mentioned Johns Hopkins and no Johns Hopkins and Loyola. They play uh, this week. I did not mention them yet. Uh, Johns Hopkins and Loyola, two teams coming off losses. Uh, it's a rivalry game. Uh, throw out the records, record books. I think this is going to be a good one. Either way, um, I want to see if Loyola can bounce back after that win. That's really what I'm looking for. Um, I, I'd probably take Hopkins in that one, to be honest with you, uh, just because of what happened. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I, I think those games are always tough ones. Always interesting ones there. Next game to look at here, uh, just going down the schedule, St. John's and uh, St. Joseph's and Penn State. Uh, That is an in-state battle there. Uh, Penn State coming off two losses, looking for another win. St. Joseph's coming off that loss on Tuesday. We also will see Towson and Virginia. I expect Virginia to take that one, but we'll see what happens there. Stony Brook and Robert Morris, I think, could be a decent one. Stony Brook won a close game last weekend against Fairfield. Number of transfers leading the way there, and RMU, you know, fell. Uh, last week against Bucknell in a pretty close one. So they're looking to bounce back after that one. Uh, The midweek, I always try to pick a midweek game of the week. I think two of those would be Richmond Marist. So I'm picking two this week. Richmond Marist, it's an 11 a.m. faceoff. The next one, I would say Colgate and Air Force. Uh, those are two teams that have played tough schedules thus far. Uh, Air Force having to play Virginia and Denver last week. Skip my mind there for a second. Air Force played Virginia and Denver. Colgate played North Carolina. And gave them a, a, a decent challenge. It was a, a win for Carolina. They ran away with things. Uh, but early on was a good one. I think that should be a decent one as well there between the Raiders and the Falcons. UMBC Drexel, some interest there. And going through here, I mentioned Notre Dame. They play their first game. That's a 7 p.m. game, ACC Network Extra. So the only night game. So I'll be tuned into that, even though I will probably tune out at halftime. Uh, Most of y'all will. Sunday, Syracuse, Maryland, went over that one on 
Tuesday, touched on it a bit here today, Manhattan and Navy. Um, oh, and there's a Friday night game, Hofstra and Navy. So we'll see how that one goes as well. As always, thanks, thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend. And don't forget, you can connect with us on social media, at Lacrosse Bucket, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. LacrosseBucket.com is the website. Lacrosse Bucket, where it's always lacrosse season. Enjoy the lacrosse.